There's been a lot of talk over the last year or so about minor league living conditions. And now that spring training is over, you're seeing minor leaguers leave camp and go to their affiliates. And we're going to find out about the housing plans that teams have set up. I'm bringing in an expert, a White Sox farmhand, to talk firsthand about some of this stuff. And I think you're going to love his story, too. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And on today's episode, like I tease, we've got a, uh, a Chicago White Sox minor leaguer we're going to talk to named Jake Sudreth. Uh, Jake signed last fall with the White Sox and is currently in spring training with them. We talked on Sunday night. Great conversation about his path to the big leagues, really unique. Um, and then his confidence. I, 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 was, I came away very impressed with how he carried himself and how he walked that fine line between confidence and arrogance. He's a confident young man, and it's infectious, and I think you're going to really enjoy. Welcome back into Locked On MLB Prospects. Your host, Lindsey Crosby, and I am joined by Chicago White Sox farmhand Jake Sudreth. How you doing, Jake? Doing good. How you doing? I'm doing great. We're, we're getting ready to start the 2022 season, uh, your first full season in affiliated ball. What's that feel like You know, to, to go to spring training and, and be a professional baseball player? I mean, honestly, really, it's just a blessing. Uh, really didn't know if it was going to happen. Uh, was waiting through the draft last year, didn't end up getting picked. So there was definitely a moment there where I was like, you know what, my baseball career is probably over. Um, so really able to take every day as a blessing and, and just let's be able to put on a uniform, especially grew up as a White Sox fan. So, so there's nothing better than being able to put on the uniform of my hometown team. Yeah. And, and, you, you talk about not getting drafted, and when you go back and you look, like if I pull up your baseball reference page, there's a lot of teams listed, and it's you had an interesting uh, kind of progress through college with the pandemic taking away a season at Florida State and some other stuff. Do you mind kind of walking us through you know, how many schools you went to and kind of what that journey was like uh, all, all the way through college and independent ball? Yes, so I started out at Hawaii Pacific University. Mm-hmm. It was a Division II school. I redshirted there, um, went in through like 88 to 90. But by the time I left, I was 84, 85. Um, just wasn't doing very good, redshirted. Uh, went back to Mesa Community College, about 20 minutes from home. Played there for a year. Actually almost got cut in the fall while Ooh. I was there. The, the head coach told me to either change my arm slot or I was cut. Um, so I went from throwing directly over the top to a low three-quarter arm slot uh, and ended up being the uh, setting the single season and career saves record in one season there. Um, led the nation in saves, led the nation in appearances, had actually eight saves in our first eight conference wins. Uh, earned a full-ride scholarship to BYU there. <clears throat> Played there in the 2017-2018 season, was the closer. Um, right. I mean – had a pretty solid year, not great, but solid year. Showed up the next year, got cut actually at the end of the fall. It was two minutes late to a 6 a.m. workout, and, and they cut me. Mm. So 
started started going and throwing in an underground parking garage training uh training the facility about half an hour away took about 19 credits that off season so i was just trying to to finish my degree and do whatever it took to be able to grad transfer right so started telling people on twitter that i was 9092 it never touched 92 but i just said you know what by the time someone comes out and watches me like i'll be there right so post videos on twitter florida state reached out and through a bullpen for them, they came out and watched me, and I was 91-93 that day. So committed there on the spot. They changed head coaches um, that offseason, so went in there. Um, the pitching coach who recruited me didn't come back when they changed staff. So didn't end up throwing a single inning before the COVID shut us down there. Um, was just sitting there waiting, and COVID shut us down, so – uh, but since Florida State required us to take 12 credits in grad school, I was able to finish my master's in one year. Um, so finished my master's, grad transferred again, went to West Texas A&M. We were a, a top 10 Division II school there. Um, was supposed to be a weekend starter. And right before the season, about a week before, they told me that I was going to start relieving again because I was an All-American closer three years ago. So even though I had trained all offseason, uh, all, all fall, Entire spring to start, they changed changed about a week before. Didn't have a whole lot of success in my first outing, and then barely threw through nine innings in the regular season. Didn't throw actually the last month of the regular season, and then started the regional championship. So went in, you know, before the season, uh, the coaching staff had told me that they expected me to be the regional pitcher of the year for that division two for the division two region we were in. Uh, they told me they expected me to be the highest draft pick in school history and then through 15, 16 innings. So it really got to the point where I was like, you know what? Don't expect to be drafted. Um, I had gotten engaged in July. So I was like, you know what? Don't want to go the affiliate or not the affiliate, uh, the indie ball route. Just right. didn't think that, that it was realistic. Um, and got an opportunity to go play in the Northwoods for a couple of weeks since they allow seniors to play there after they finish their eligibility as pitchers. Uh, went up there and, and really had a great time playing baseball. Had been training the entire offseason or the entire summer, I should say, um, hoping something would work out. And the last game I was up there, I came in in relief in the second inning with bases loaded one out and ended up going six and two thirds with 11 strikeouts. Started with three and two-thirds perfect um, once I came in and posted a video on Twitter because I had started working at TrackMan, uh, just doing customer support there, and was able to get all my data from that game. Since I was working for TrackMan, had contacts that were able to pull the data. Uh, so I posted a video on Twitter and included all the data at the end. Tag Pitching Ninja, he retweeted it, and... The, the pitching coordinator for the White Sox actually direct messaged me a week after that um, and basically just said, hey, do you want to sign? So left work like right then and drove straight to the White Sox complex because it was about half an hour um, and never looked back. And actually were playing games that same month. I mean, you were you made some yeah. appearances right there. Yeah. So the some of the common takeaways that I'm that I'm hearing in this story is one, being willing to bet on yourself. You know, going out and tell you know you're throwing in a parking garage and you're telling folks, yeah, I'm throwing, I'm hitting 92. 
you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, now I have to cash that check. I have to get there. And then being willing to go out and kind of promote yourself. Uh, what's it like to, to like, how do you keep motivated when it's something where you don't see a path forward and you know, like, I have to go make this myself. Like I have to go out and find my next job. What's that like? Yeah. So really it's, um, it's just kind of something that I've always had to do in high school. Mm-hmm. I was told I was the worst player in my program as a sophomore. Um, I ended up transferring my senior year. Um, and there I was told that I would be possibly the sixth best pitcher on the staff, not to expect too many innings. And then I led the state in innings pitched. I was top three in innings pitched. Um, I was second in the state in wins and I was like top three in ERA actually pitched in the state semifinal game, had a two hitter. Um, I think I had a stretch of like three, two hitters in a row um, leading up to the playoffs. So it's really just been something where I've always just had to, to bet on myself and, and just kind of tell myself that no matter what anyone said about myself, I had a goal in mind. And, and honestly, a lot of it was, I don't want to say out of spite, but just like, I mean, out of, the desire to prove people wrong right? Um, and just basically say that, that nobody else gets to decide what my story is or what the end is for me. The only one that, that I want that, like the only person who I want my career to be in their hands is myself. I don't want anyone else to tell me that I wasn't good enough or I didn't work hard enough. At the end of the day, it's, it's, just going out there and giving it everything I have. The confidence definitely comes through. And when I was kind of going through something that I'm not sure if you realize this or not. So I wanted to put you on a, on the spot here. Um, if you go through all of your baseball reference, whether it's um, summer ball, whether it's college, everything, they have you as throwing 159 innings and facing 739 batters in competition. Can you tell me how many home runs you gave up in 739 batters? Maybe three? Two. It is the most remarkable stat I have ever seen from anybody I've talked to on this. 739 batters and you gave up two home runs. It is absolutely amazing. So when I watch, you know, I I see the fastball. I see the curveball. The slider looks to be to be one of your better pitches. And am I understanding right that that's the newest pitch of yours that you just developed that somewhat recently? Yeah. So actually I developed that, uh, last summer. So I was watching, uh, I was watching video of, uh, Kevin cops mm-hmm. and uh, actually one of my friends, one of my friends was, uh, Cody Tucker. He actually was just kind of shouted out cause he pitches at Cal state Bakersfield. Um, so he had a play that was remarkable play just a day or two ago. Um, but he actually is the one that showed me the grip and, and I tried it out and that day, like literally the first time I tried it, it was, I mean, it worked better than anything, better than anything I had in my arsenal. And when I went to that game in the North was that last game, I think I threw 95 pitches and maybe 50 of them were that slider. Um, it, it got to the point where that game, I might as well have told them that it was coming because I was throwing it 
90% of the time, especially when I was either down in counts, like if I missed with a fastball, I knew I could throw the slider for a strike. Right. So four seam, sinker, slider, curveball. Um, how has that arsenal played in pro ball? I mean, I know it's been a, it was a very limited window, but so mm-hmm. far last year and then a the spring training this year, how has, how have those pitches matched up against professional hitters? Uh, I, I mean, I'd say pretty well. I've still been able to get swing and misses um, pretty frequently, actually. Is, is like I've never really given up hard contact. It's usually been soft contact. When I get beat, it's usually, it's usually walking people because a pitch will start in the zone and then move so much that it, that it ends up out of the zone. Um, but when you have that amount of movement, it does, it does play well for swing and misses. So definitely still get a lot of those. Um, I would say that the stinkers, the sinker and slider are definitely my two most effective pitches. Um, everyone in the organization, as far as the, the pitching staff, it has wanted me to, to really focus and hone in on those two pitches. Um, being able to use the, the curveball as like a get ahead pitch um, or just landing that for a strike. Um, but the slider and sinker are definitely, definitely the put out pitches. Um, whenever I'm throwing those, I feel confident that I can get a swing and miss at any time um, or at least avoid hard contact. Yeah. And talking about the organization for a minute, have they given you your assignment for this season yet? Do you know where you're going? So I was actually out for a couple of weeks uh, with a, a slight hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so I missed about two weeks. So I was there for really through the first live outing and then didn't throw again live for two weeks. So I didn't throw live again for the first time until earlier this week on Tuesday. Um, so starting an extended spring training, um, but hoping to, hoping to break there soon once I get built back up. Yeah. And then from there, obviously, once that's kind of, you know, you're built back up, go into an affiliate. And that's kind of what I want to get into for a minute because something, and the way that, that, that you and I initially connected was on Twitter because we, there was a conversation going on about um, what minor leaguers make as far as signing bonus and income during the season mm-hmm. and housing and all of that. And so uh, when the White Sox reached out to you, they weren't offering sign, like a large signing bonus to come in the organization. It was pretty much, you know, here's gas money to get to our to our training facility, right? Yeah. So sign for sign for a hat and a jersey, really. Um, just sign for the opportunity to to keep my career going. Uh, came in with no signing bonus. Just, I mean, thankful to play. Yeah, and minor leaguers don't get paid during spring training. So the last time that you got like actual compensation or pay from the White Sox probably had to be for what you threw back in September, wouldn't it be? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So the last time that I was paid from the White Sox was um, the second or third week of September. Yeah. And then I know that there was. A couple teams, the Nationals were one. I think the White Sox were rumored in this, but like we're actually asking for clubhouse dues and stuff like that in spring. And it's it's the, something that we definitely need to fix. And if you're listening to the show and you're a regular listener, go back to Locked On MLB Prospects when we talked to MILB advocates and we had that conversation about um, minor league wages and living conditions. 
and kind of Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bars are the only protein bars that taste like candy bars and are better for you than candy bars. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, um, 17 grams of protein, 3 grams of net sh- carbs or less. Uh, they're filling. They're good for you. Do like I do. Keep them everywhere. Uh, if it's a place where you have you know, snacks stashed away, your car, your desk at work, your pantry, wherever you might, you know, your office, wherever you might have it, throw a built bar in there. Tons of flavors, uh, peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate chip, uh, cherry barcia, tons of options. Go to built.com, check out the regular flavors, the limited time flavors, and the special seasonal stuff. While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. And kind of talking about living conditions, uh, this is the first year where minor league teams are supposed to provide housing. What's the housing situation been like there at spring training? Like, what do they have for you guys there? So uh, me, since I'm from Arizona, it's been a different situation. Right. Um, I've been living, I've been living separately with my fiance since we have a house that we rent here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, everyone else is either in apartments or um, or in a hotel that's like uh, about a mile, maybe two miles from the complex. Um, like an extended and rookie ball, the players will be staying in that same apartment complex. Um, I don't know the exact specific details of that apartment complex. Yeah. Um, but I know it's got a gym there. It's got a pool. Um, so it's got quite a bit of amenities. Um, they had a presentation for it every- the other day. So I know that everyone's living situation is covered in that apartment complex. They'll have a bus or shuttle that, that picks everyone up whenever they need to be there. Um, but there were a handful of people that were a uh, handful of players that were staying in the apartment or in the hotel down the street, just because there weren't enough spaces in that apartment complex during spring training. Yeah. And during the season, I know there's been a lot of conversation about players who are engaged or who are married and have kids and things like that. Are they going to get um, their own accommodations or they're going to be forced to have a roommate. And I know that's uh, obviously something you haven't gotten to yet, but definitely mm-hmm. going to be something to watch going forward as Major League Baseball implements this housing policy. Um, just from talking to the guys that you shared a clubhouse with over spring training and back in the fall last year, the stress of of the wages and the housing and everything, what's that do to a minor league player? You know, like how do you improve your your game and get better as a professional while you're also trying to figure out uh, where to live and what to eat and proper sleep and travel and everything? I mean, I definitely think it limits how, how much you can possibly improve Mm -hmm. the amount that you recover. I mean, when you're, when you're worried about what you're going to eat or if you're just eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or whatever snack you can get to, I mean, the amount that you can actually improve on your strength and recover and keep strength levels up during season is definitely very limited. Uh, I know a couple of players in the organization last year were living in closets. Mm -hmm. Um, So they had a blow up mattress in a closet is what their bedroom situation was. So, I mean, I, I know that there's been some real rough situations out there. I mean, across all organizations, it's not, uh, I mean, there might be, there might be an organization here or there that's handled it better in the past. Um, but I mean, I know it's a problem with all of minor league baseball. It's not, it's not one organization or another that, that isn't really meeting it. It's just, mm-hmm. 
the situation for minor league baseball players. Um, I know it's definitely definitely come out a lot better this year. There are there is some way to go. Um, there definitely is some improvement that still needs to happen, as far as I've seen with um, just total situations with it. Um, however, like for our for our, uh, our high A and double A team and even our triple A team, um, they had presentations. Um, this last week. So, I mean, those, those apartments that everyone's in there, I mean, they're really, really nice apartments. They're furnished. Um, so I definitely think the White Sox organization has done a pretty good job as far as that goes. Definitely good to hear. I know a lot of the conversation that people, you know, like me and other folks who are, who are passionate about this are having about the minor leagues and how to improve uh, the, you know, the general welfare of players. We talked about housing a lot. Obviously we talk about food, mm-hmm. We talk about wages, um, you know, and even uh, tr- off-season training where you're having to keep yourself in shape, but you're not receiving a paycheck or access to facilities from the team. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that we maybe haven't thought about that could be changed to make the like development and welfare better for minor leaguers? I mean, that's definitely tough. I know everyone's kind of in their own situations in different mm-hmm. places. Um I mean, a lot of these arguments have been made time and time again. So, I mean, paying players, I mean, throughout the off season, yeah. um, because I, I know a couple of people that have like, they've been working two jobs, three jobs, giving bartending. I mean, uh, there's a couple other people in the organization that I know of that basically were like just giving lessons and like substitute teaching, mm-hmm. um, but they would give lessons and, and like coach at a gym basically all day. And then they would be able to throw their bullpens once the gym technically closed from like nine to 10 30 at night and then have to be up again at eight in the morning, like to go back to work at the same gym that they were just at that late. I mean, so I know there's a handful of guys that, that definitely are just working nonstop to the point where it limits the amount of time that they can actually train. So if, if the situation was improved to where, where players didn't have to worry about not only making money to live in that time being, but also trying to save any money that they can to be able to, to kind of live better during the season, yeah. then, then they'd be able to spend a lot more time training. People would show up to spring training in better shape. People would show up and ready to go. I think it would definitely even limit the number of injuries that you would see in the first couple of weeks of spring training or the first month of the season because everyone would show up ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Good. Very, very good points there. Um, I, I have to ask, I know you're engaged. Um, have you picked a date and how, how difficult is that to figure out a date around a baseball season and all that extra stuff that goes along with that? Yeah. So we have picked a date. Uh, we're getting married in January, um, January 7th. So it's definitely, we tried to pick something that we knew would be out of season. We knew it would be, right. I mean, early enough away from the season to be like, all right, we can, we can take a week afterwards. We can like, mm-hmm. like go to a honeymoon, take a week. And, and I wouldn't be missing too much right before the season when I need to start getting ramped up. Right. So, okay. So final question here and I'll let you go. Um, I do have to ask like, okay. Uh, season starts for the big leagues on Thursday. Obviously you're in extended spring training. Um, what is your goal? What is your personal goal for this season? How do you plan to improve? And, you know, what do you want to achieve in 2022? 
I mean, there's a handful of things um, okay. that I would say. One is I want to get uh, I want to get the fastball up to, to 95, 96. Uh, my last spring training outing on, or my spring training outing on Tuesday, um, I was sitting 93, 94. And last season, I touched 94. So the first outing back off the hamstring, I was up to 94, um, which I contribute. I mean, partially due to the work that I did with the drive on all off season. Um, so, so that's one of the goals. Um, another goal is to, to end up in double A by the end of the year. Um, I know it's a couple levels up, definitely a big jump, but I mean, I believe that I've got the stuff to do it. I've, I've proved people wrong every step of the way this far. So, so to me, it's always set the sights high. And, and if you miss, at least you gave it your all. Um, and to get there, I think that the velocity increasing will be one thing. And then also just getting better with the command, getting better with, with just the feel of my body, um, and knowing exactly what I'm doing when I'm doing it and understanding like how everything works. That's something that, that the coaching staff of the White Sox organization has really helped me be able to, to figure out so far. Um, so just understanding when I miss, why I miss, and, and how to make those corrections. So definitely just think it's about getting a little bit more consistent. Um, so that's, that's the main focus right now is just getting more consistent. All right. Well, Jake, best of luck this season. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah.